Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And what a privilege and pleasure and delight it is for me today to have Stan Tyra with us. I've known him on Facebook for several years. And as I told him when we were visiting earlier, uh, I've printed out his uh, blogs and we discuss them uh, along with blogs of other people uh, every week in our, our group here in Lawrence, Kansas. And now to get to see him face to face and visit with him is a, a special treat with me. So Stan, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Paul. I'm equally delighted to kind of meet you face-to-face for a change, too. So thank you for inviting me. Sure. Well, let me tell you all a little bit about Stan. Uh, He's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He's the author of a couple of books, Let My People Go, Releasing the Church from Bondage, and Awaken to Love, The Journey from Beliefs to Awareness. He's been a businessman in food sales, marketing, and manufacturing for over 30 years, and they're really busy now with the quarantine and the coronavirus thing. He started two churches. He's hosted annual men's encounter weekends for over 13 years, drawing men from all over the United States. He continues to write, and this is how I first found out about him a few years ago, a a daily Facebook blog that started more than 10 years ago, and it's reflective of his journey, and it's intended to encourage others and the uniqueness of their journey. Uh, He and his wife of 42 years, Debbie, have two children, four grandchildren, and his purpose is always to invite people to look without telling them what to see. And what a great purpose that is. (laughs) And I want to start out, as I always do, Stan, how has your comprehension, your revelation of God's unconditional love and grace for all people, how's that affected your relationships at, at work, with customers, with coworkers, your wife, family, people at the grocery store? How's it affected you where the rubber hits the road? I would have to say that in the beginning, it created a lot of adversarial relationships that I didn't know were adversarial. And, yeah. You know, like, like so many people's, other people's story, the moment that I began believing that, you know, God really loved everybody, uh, there was a lot of people who didn't love me <laughs> at that point in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me about and, it. Uh, and so, you know, there were a lot of years there of people running away and, saying really mean things and of course that's part of the journey it's part of the process i know that now yeah but at the time you know it's tough when anyone's going through that stage learning to be alone so that you can finally actually be trusted with others really without a hook and without an agenda just being able to accept people for where they are but where that led me to over the years was a great love and compassion a great joy, a great hope about everyone. You know, now I can look at what society might call the worst of a person 
And I can see that, but you know, it doesn't take any spiritual discernment to see that. Anybody can see that. <laughs> uh, the question is, can you see beyond that? Can you see into the heart? Can you see the things that aren't and basically call them into being? Is Can your life draw them into being? So now that's really what my life is about. And so it gives me great patience, which I used to never have. And my wife would still argue at times what I was very patient. <laughs> but She's related me, to my wife. <laughs> it gives me great patience with people, you know, it gives me great faith in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead everyone on their own unique journey. And that doesn't have to check my check boxes. It doesn't have to be on my map. I just uh, now feel greatly empowered to bless people on whatever journey they're on and be patient as they make that journey. You know, you've probably read, I say very often, uh, no journey is a straight line. It's got a lot of dead ends and detours and crooks and crannies, and that's just the way it is for everyone. So my progression, I grew up as a very strict, fundamental Southern Baptist. And so from that, journeyed through every of the latest things that went on over the years. I mean, you, if there was a latest something going on, I was in the middle of it. That's just, my, that was kind of my nature, which I've been glad about because it's always provoked me to more. It's also ran me in a few ditches along the way, but that's part of the journey too, I think. But went through all of those stages, and I'm, I'm not done, so I'm not saying like I've arrived, but I went through all of those stages that got me where I am today. And so I'm, I'm always telling people, Paul, that, you know, everything in your journey belongs. What was meant for evil is being redeemed for good. You can trust that journey. I used to hear people, and, and it would drive me nuts when they'd go, you know, if I hadn't spent so many years wasting time in religion, and I'm going, listen, don't berate that. If it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah. So everything belongs in this journey. So. I've grown to appreciate my journey, honor my journey, as well as honor everyone else's as well, Paul. So that's kind of where I am today. Well, it's wonderful, Stan. And we are all on a journey. And uh, I have a friend who says we're all right on time. And and he's right, not always the time that I want to be on, but <laughs> from uh, God's standpoint, we're right on time. And I loved what you said about uh, not having an agenda uh, anymore, because, boy, that I learned that uh, in spades one time. I had a, you know, I'm a musician by trade, a jazz musician, and, and I still play some. And I developed a friendship with a guy who was a little older than me. He was retired at the time, and uh, he was a really good musician and a fun guy, just a nice guy. He, he was an inventor, had several patents, and he ran a lab at uh, University of Missouri for like 40 years and helped graduate students invent things, but he had no use for church. He'd never been to church in his life except for weddings and funerals and stuff, and his wife had been burned in some religious situations. And he, you know, he knew that I was the pastor and everything, but I just, I liked him, and we sat next to each other in a band every Thursday night. So I asked him to go out to breakfast one morning, and we started doing that every Tuesday morning. And uh, he's a real fun guy. He's since passed away. He's a real fun guy. And after a few weeks, uh, uh, his name was Mark. He said, Mark, tell me about your other friends other than the guys we see in the band on Thursday night. And he said, well, I can count my good friends on less than the fingers of one hand. I said, really? I said, well, how do you describe a good friend? And he says, that's somebody who 
sticks around even after they don't get what they want. And I thought, oh, man. And I thought, I tell you what, I didn't tell him this, but I said, I'm going to said to myself, I'm going to stick around. If this guy never wants to talk about Jesus, if he never has a spiritual question in his life, I'm going to stick around. And I did. Over the years, he started saying, well, I'm not an atheist anymore. I'm an agnostic. And then after that, he said, well, I'm a deist. And sometime after that, he was in the hospital for something. And he told me that uh, the hospital chaplain came by to see him, and he said, no, I don't need a chaplain. He said, Paul Gray's my pastor. And I, I thought, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't uh, give up early because uh, my agenda wasn't met. It takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? It does. I, you know, I look back, and so much of what I called love was just manipulation. None of us want to hear that. But love that demands anything is not love. It has to be giving only and not demanding of anything. And that's a love most of us aren't well-versed at. No, we're not. And gosh, when we come to know that, of course, that that's what God is like, I mean, it's amazing, but but it's also, it's a hard pill for some people to swallow. I've had people really push back and say, oh, but God does demand a lot. He demands this and demands that. Well, let me tell you about the God that that I know. And uh, sometimes I get to, and sometimes I don't, but... He's totally different. That's what my ministry is all about, is helping people see the real God, the only true God, as Jesus calls his Papa in John 17, 3, and see what he's really like, and therefore what we're like and what everybody else is like. And gosh, it's so fun, and I know you know this, to, and so rewarding when the light comes on and uh, people start to really see that God is better than they ever thought before. Absolutely. That's if it's not scandalous love, it's not God's love. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just scandalous, you know. When Jesus talks about, you know, going into the closet, the, the secret place and shutting the door, you know, it's, that's the journey we must all make within ourselves. We have to go into that secret place. And Paul, what I discovered at that place, that's a place that I thought was secret. But once I ventured there, the Spirit was already waiting on me there. And so in my greatest weakness, my greatest strength was present. And, and it began to revolutionize me from the inside out. I mean, you know so much, me and, you, and many people listening to this, we focused on the externals for so many years. We tried to redeem ourselves from the outside in. And it never works. Uh, the best we can do is have better discipline, but we don't have a lot of transformation. Maybe we don't have any. But no. uh, there again, the Spirit's patient with that too, though. And so when I finally trusted the Lord enough to go within and know that in my most secret place, He was ever-present, ever-loving, ever-forgiving, so compassionate that began to free me from so much because i'm thinking you know if i can feel loved and forgiven in this secret place that i never wanted anyone to know about mm -hmm. then there is no place i'll not experience the love of god from this point on oh that's so well said i do relate for a long time but struggle with anger and uh, uh primarily anger when, <laughs> when i don't get my way and uh 
gosh, I had a, a wonderful mentor who was with the navigators and we were really into spiritual Bible study memorization and stuff. And so he just, he, you know, he said, memorize these verses, you know, that do not get angry. And so I'd memorize these verses and then I'd, I'd get angry and I'd, I'd quote those verses and I'd say them and it did absolutely no good at all. You know, I'd get to where I wouldn't demonstrate my anger. I wouldn't act out. But inside, I was I was just churning. And, you know, one day at a – there's never a good time, but an inappropriate time with somebody I really love, I you know, I, I got angry. And I remember going into a, a room by myself and just breaking down and saying, God – I can't do it. I've been a pastor for 20 years. I, I memorize the Bible. I pray. I fast. I give. I do all this kind. And I can't do it. If if I'm going to be to where I don't get angry, I just said, God, you're going to have to do it. And I, I just heard him say, that's what I've been waiting on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now I, I, I won't tell you I'm, I'm never tempted to get angry anymore, but that made the difference. That's when the transformation started. And before that, it was all behavior management that I was trying to do on my own strength. And uh, I'm not against uh, memorizing scripture at all. Obviously, I teach what the living word of God tells me. And But uh, just memorizing scripture verses and quoting them to, to help you change your behavior, it didn't work with me. Maybe, maybe it does with others, but it didn't with me. I don't think it does with anyone, Paul. I think we pretend it does. Because we've made a God out of the Bible. And so we feel sacrilegious if we don't worship that Bible. Yeah. And that's a tough break for many people. You know, and I, I've encouraged people all the time now, you know, get to know Christ within you. Yeah. Because that's the living word. That's the word you need. Uh, the Bible is just printed text. It's the living word that's transformational. So get to know Christ. You know, Paul, one time, the most transformational period I've ever had in these past 10, 15 years, and people are shocked when I tell them this, especially people who don't know me, who are still at a place younger in their journey than I may be right now, is I got so fed up with exactly what you were talking about, reading the verses and nothing changed. Uh, the best I could do was behavior management, but just everyone does. And we have to come to the end of ourselves. We have to come to the place where we're finally honest, just as you were, and I was, and many others are, this is not working. <laughs> and once we come to that place, then we have to get satisfied with not knowing and not demanding to know. And it's in that place that we finally meet the Father in a way we've never met Him before. Because we meet Him without so many preconceived notions. But I put the Bible down once for gosh, almost three years, Paul. I didn't pick it up. Not mm -hmm. once. On purpose. I wasn't mm -hmm. mad. I was just frustrated with feeling like I knew the Bible really well and the Father not at all. Yeah. And I began to be honest with myself about that. So I just put the Bible down. And Paul, it was the most radical three years of my entire life. Because I went through withdrawal for a while because I, you know, I felt like a heathen. I felt like I was, you know, being sacrilegious. I was rebellious. You, you was, were backslidden, brother. I was backslidden. I was all of those things until I finally came to a place of peacefulness with it. And once I came to that place of peacefulness, then it was from that point forward that I began to have one revelation, one transformation 
one encounter after another that radically changed me. Now, I want to be quick to say that everything I saw after the fact, I was not looking for. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. We get a preconceived notion about God. So no matter what we do, we tend to go looking for what we've already deemed is there. Confirmation and bias. Yes, absolutely. And I, we will find what we're looking for if we keep looking for it. And that's why there's bazillion different denominations and religions. We will find what we're looking for. So the moment I ran out of biases, not completely, but you know what I'm saying, the moment I didn't know what I was looking for anymore was when I began to see. And it was literally a transformation of just like the blind man in the scripture. I don't know how it happened. I wasn't praying for it to happen. I wasn't trying to make it happen. It was literally, I was blind and then I began to see. It was that radical and I have never not seen since that moment. But that's what it took for me. Yeah, very similar to me. I I never put it in words just like you did so well, but that's uh, exactly right. And uh, then uh, going back to uh, Scripture that I memorized and taught on before and seeing that it's not what it says at all. (laughs) Uh, And and then having the uh, courage to admit that, you know, I'm not patting myself on the shoulder or anything. It's just uh, we have to have the courage to admit that, gosh, you know, what I believed before, what I taught you all before, I've come to understand that that's not right. It, it, God is way better than that. And some people are not ready to hear that, not yet, but I believe they all will at, uh, at one point in time or another. You said you started a couple of churches. Are you still involved in one of those? No, I'm not. Both of them failed. <laughs> well, both of them were wildly successful until they suddenly became what we planned for them never to become, which for me has, uh, that's just been the tendency. We, they were both started out of a new thing. They were both starting at a time when God was doing new things in the, in the United States and new things in me, and people just congregated around me and two turned to four, turned to 400, you know, that sort of thing. So we didn't really try to start a church they just started but then as soon as it became more than a spontaneous as soon as it got into planned and organized it started to develop an ego and i say all the time the only thing more dangerous than an individual ego is a group one so before long we developed a group ego and then you got personalities and then you got positioning and all the things that's totally contradictory to what we started. So in time, something would happen to just blow it up. The last one that I started, in fact, in Northwest Arkansas, not too far south of you there, Paul, Mm. it was very, very successful in normal successful measurements. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a great worship team. We had a lot of people attending, a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz in the area about it. And all those things, the peripherals looked really good. But the bigger it got, the more sterile it became. And the day that I finally stood in the pulpit and talked about what I understood about God's love, 
it disappeared almost overnight from that point forward, which is really weird because so many people had gathered to create this type of church, but there was a line in the sand that I had just crossed that so many people could not go there. And I get it. I understand. But I was kind of like the guys in Scripture and the disciples in Scripture. I couldn't stop talking about what I had both seen and heard. And I held off for a long time trying to be strategic. Well, you just can't be strategic. In time, I just said little things that that revealed what was in my heart. And then, boy, it was phone calls and emails and meetings and crisis management. And it just started to dissolve. And after that, it just disappeared. Well, sadly, uh, I can relate. But looking back, God was in that, working it all for the good. And I'm starting to see some of that now. We're almost out of time here. So how about we finish this episode and we'll kind of pick up from there and uh, do another one, if that's all right with you. That'd be great, Paul. Good. Before we finish, Stan, tell people how they can connect with you, how they can find you online and all of that stuff. Well, it's pretty simple these days. Just uh, friend me on Facebook. And I stayed kind of close to that 5,000 mark. So uh, there for a while I had a ministry page, but then I didn't like managing two pages. And so right now I've got my personal page, and that's where I post every single day this blog just to encourage people on their journey. So I would encourage the listeners to just feel free to connect with me there. A lot of people send me emails and messages, and we have one-off conversations and so whatever I can do to encourage someone in their journey, and as we said in the beginning, I'll encourage you to look. I'll be patient while you look, but I'll never tell you what to see. You need to see it for yourself. So if, I would be glad to connect with anyone who would like to connect. Great. Well, thank you, Stan, for our time today. Uh, we'll look forward to doing the next episode, and I appreciate you being with us for this one. And thanks, everybody, for watching this edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.